Hey, this is Lily Barouette, co-pastor of Live Church, and this is our podcast. Our mission is to awaken the drive, compassion, and love in our community. Together, we can live in victory every day. Here's today's message. I knew for a couple weeks that I was going to be speaking here. Um, uh, Coach Pat and Pastor Lily came to me a while back and asked me to speak, and um, I mulled over a few thoughts in my head, prayed to God, like, what should, what exactly do you want me to say, Lord? Like, where do you want me to go with this? And he directed me to where I'm at today. And it never really made sense to me until I got here today. So um, the message I'm going to share with you today is out of the book of Ephesians. So I'm going to be sharing with you out of Ephesians, out of Ephesians 1. Um, and it, it didn't make sense at first, but it makes sense now because... The book of Ephesians is Paul writing his epistles to a a really young church, not too dissimilar from you guys. It's a young church, and one of the main goals in Ephesians is to understand who you are spiritually in where you're at and where you're going. And it's to give you a a sense of identity in your spirituality that you may go forward boldly. There's a heavy, heavy anointing in this place. I feel the spirit everywhere in this room. But you can have the anointing and still not walk in the calling. And so I want you guys to understand that I think the message God is directing towards today is more so you need to go forth boldly so that with this heavy spirit that you have, that you're giving this spirit out. You're not self-containing it to yourself because it's one thing to be spirit filled and just be spiritually busy. But that's not what God's called you to do. He's called you to become fishers of men. So I want you to be spiritually effective. Um, you all may be seated. I'm sorry. I want to give honor where honor is due. Um, I want to honor uh, Coach Pat and Pastor Lily. Um, I want to wish them a happy anniversary. Pat, Lily, I know you're watching. Happy anniversary. Hope you're enjoying it. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I am kin to the Bear Wet family. Uh, my, my lovely wife has spoken here before. Uh, I want you to know that she's a way better Christian and better preacher than me, so don't get your hopes up, all right? But she's awesome. Can we just give it up for my wife one time? She, she's, she's at home with the kids, staying safe. Um, yeah, so I want to give you guys a little framework here, Okay. Before I give you the, the context and break down the scripture, I just want to frame it out for you so you guys can understand where I'm going at a little bit here. Um, because it's a little bit of different of a message. It's a, it's a little, you know, it's a little off kilter from what you would normally hear. Um, but I definitely want to make sure you guys understand where I'm going with this, okay? There's a term called duality. Duality. Okay, make sure you understand this duality, because there's also a term called dualism. See, it's not a popular thing to talk about in the church because of dualism. I'm going to speak about duality and not dualism. See, duality means two things that are different, but have something in common. There's a middle ground between the two. That's duality. See, dualism is what people get confused with in the church, because dualism is two opposites that are equal in value, that oppose each other. So what happens is people assume dualism and duality are the same because in dualism, there's good and evil. 
but we don't believe in dualism because the enemy has no equal power to God. God is all authoritative in all of it. So we don't believe in dualism, but there is a duality. The duality is not in God himself, though. The duality is in God's creation. Okay? There's duality in God's creation. Not God himself, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. Who he is is who he is. He is God. He is the great I am. He doesn't change. However, his creations have duality. So I want to break that down real quick. So first, let's start with our main text. Our main text is Ephesians 1, starting in verse 4. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love. He predestined, somebody might want to underline that, that's very key. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. You might want to underline that as well. In accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mysteries of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Again, before I jump into this text, let me just break this down for you. The duality is in God's creation, not God himself. So we have to look at the creation. So if we're going to look at the creation, let's just jump back real quick. If you will, turn with me to the very front of your Bible. We're going to look at Genesis 1, okay? Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. So the first thing God created has duality. He created heavens, he created earth. Two different things. One's a spiritual realm, one's a physical realm. But he dwells in both of them. So two different things that have something in common. Right? Now the earth was formless and void, darkness over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day and the darkness night. And then evening was, and then there was morning on the first day. So the second thing God created was light to go with the, day, um, the darkness. So more duality. So he created heavens, earth. He dwells in both of them. He created light and darkness, which separate day and night. They're both times of the day. Duality, Right? It's sprinkled all throughout the text that everything God creates is for some reason he creates this duality to it. He creates these two sides to almost everything that he creates. It's very interesting. If you keep reading through Genesis, he creates animals, some that crawls on the earth, others that fly through the air. They're still animals, but they're different. And it's, it's just interesting. And I've never thought of it, but for some reason it pops out to me. Why does God create these two sides to everything? Very interesting. Let's go down. Let's, let's, let's just not stick to Genesis. Let me give you some more examples here. There's the Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is the law. The New Testament is grace. Well, okay, one's legalistic and one is what we have today. Okay, 
Well, let's, let's talk about it. John says the law came through Moses, but grace through Jesus Christ. Well, how could you really understand grace if there was no law? There, there are two different things that don't seem to really get along well, but they coexist in this, this realm of what God's giving you as his word. Okay? There's sin and there's grace. Right? Because you don't know what sin is without the law, and then there's grace for the sin. Where Romans 5, um, 5.20 says, where sin abound, grace abound all the more. So there's a duality to that as well. Okay. Well, let's keep going. There's life and death. There's life and death. Matthew 16, uh, 25 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Interesting concept, right? Two, two different opposites, right? Whoever loses their life will find it. Okay, so all these things are complete opposites, but they clearly have something in common. So clearly there's a message that God is trying to convey through all of this. Hmm. Because it's a duality in God's creation, people often think that the Bible contradicts itself. And that's the biggest mistake. The word of God doesn't contradict itself because God doesn't contradict himself because God doesn't change. We do. So the misinterpretation is not in God, it's in us. Hmm. The problem is, is that as human beings and as individuals, we interpret things through our own perspective. And the, the truth is, the word of God is the word of God. It's not our word. So we can't interpret it through our own personal perspective all the time. We have to see it for what it is. It's Jesus. Jesus is the word. He's full of grace and truth. Okay? The scary part is the world today is so focused on grace that no one wants to focus on the truth. Well, the biggest duality and why it stands out the most is in us. We're, we're, we're the biggest case of duality there is in the world today because we are God's greatest creation. Human beings is God's most beloved creation. We stand above all. But there's duality in us. Paul said in Romans, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I know it's a lot of do's and don'ts, so it's kind of, kind of, he's pretty much saying that I do what I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. Like, why do I do this? It's because the duality in man, that we constantly are battling ourselves. And no one's above that. I'm sorry, I, I'm up here speaking to you, but I battle stuff every day. It's a constant battle. There's things in my life that I don't want to do that I have to do. There's things in my life that, that, that I go through that, Every single person goes through. We all battle something. Everyone battles something. So there's a duality in man, and there's, there's this internal battle that goes on. That's why you see in old cartoons and comic sketches and stuff like that, you see the little, you see the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other. That's a depiction of duality in man. Man's always battling their spirit and their flesh. That's our duality, spirit and flesh. If you don't understand this, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We're not humans that get this spirit from God. No, the spirit's already in us. So here's, here's how I want to break it down, okay? 
I don't want you to be ashamed of the battle that you have within, because all of us have that. It's called the testimony. We all have a battle. The, the, the important thing is that you win this battle. You can't keep losing to your flesh. If you're taking notes, that's the framework. I'm, I'm getting into my message now, okay? We're going to break down this text. If you're taking notes, I've titled this a two-sided coin. A two-sided coin. You see, I'm a big sports fan. I'm not going to get into sports, ladies, but I just want to explain football is one of my favorite sports. And in football, before you even start, they have to decide where it goes. And what they have is a coin toss. The referee calls the two teams over, the two captains. They pull out a coin. Usually the opposing team gets to call it as the ref flips the coin to see who gets ball first. We all know coin toss. Coin tosses are popular, especially in mankind, because what we like to do is we think that that's fair odds. If someone flips a coin, you think you have 50-50 odds on what's happening. So usually when somebody has a disagreement about something, they say, let's flip on it. Let's flip a coin. You flip a coin because you think the odds are fair. Okay? It's interesting that usually when you flip a coin, the odds are fair because there's two sides to it, and it can go either way. It can go either way, but I'm going to change your perspective on that today. So let's jump back into the verse, Ephesians, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose us in him before the creations of the world. If you can, turn to Jeremiah with me real quick. Jeremiah 1.5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That means way before you were born, God knew you. So before you were even born, remember we are spiritual beings. That means our spirits were with God before we were born. So why, why is it that we come here, and then we have to find God all over again. Well, that's because we're born into a world of sin. Sin separates us from God. So that means God knew you, knew who you were, and said, well, I'm going to have to send you out. But I love you so much that the plan is to bring you back to me when you get back down there. Okay, so, so that means there was always a plan in place. That means there was always a plan in place, right? Here's another way to explain it. I'm going to break it down for you right now, okay? So we are eternal beings because God is an eternal being. God sits outside of time. God sits out of time. So in essence, God is chilling, and in front of him is like, oh, there's this thing called time. I'm going to give them time so that they can understand because if there's no time, you won't respect the certain things like death because your time is limited. Okay, so, so God sits outside of it, which means I see this point, which is the beginning, and I see this point, which is the end. I can see all of it, which means I see everything in the middle. God sees everything in the middle. Okay, so if God sees everything in the middle, and you are stuck in the middle, because that's where we are, here on earth is the middle. 
because our spirit was there before and our spirit will be somewhere after. So we're stuck in the middle. Okay, well, God, if this was your plan all along, how, how do you make it, like, how are we supposed to find you in all of this? Well, Jeremiah 29 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Hmm. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but give you a hope in the future. So God already has the plan outside. If you pay attention to what he's trying to tell you, you can find the plan into where you're going. All right. Well, let's see what it says in Romans. Okay. Romans 8.29 says, for those God foreknew, he predestined. Okay. The keys to here is foreknew and predestined. All right. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. For those he predestined, he also called. And for those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Okay, so if you want to ask God, what is your plans? Well, God doesn't have to answer why exactly, but just know that he predestined because he foreknew you. So he knew you way before the beginning. So he knew how you would act. He knew how you would respond. He knew everything that you would do. So he knows all the backsliding that you would do. He knows all the mistakes you had made. He knows all the sin that you were going to do. But he still had a plan for you because he predestined you for it. I hope you all are following along with me. Okay. He still chose you. And he still called you. God already had a plan for your life long before the foundations of the earth. He already knew where he wanted to take you. He already knew what he wanted to do inside of you. And that's what I'm trying to get into you right now. He had a plan for your life. Okay. Well, we are still these creations of God that face our own duality. We have everyday struggles and everyday battles. And although the Bible says that we won't be tempted beyond measure, he'll always provide a plan of escape. Somehow we always still find ourselves falling into it. Hmm. Well, God, if you have a plan, why don't you just tell us directly? Why don't you tell me right now the ending so I know too? Because that'll make life a lot easier. Like, if you know what's going to happen, right? Wouldn't that make things a lot easier for you? Well, God, if you, you, you know I'm about to get this, like, just tell me how I'm supposed to get it so I can get it. And No, here's the, here's the challenging part. And I'm not going to dive too deep into it because it gets very deep. Um, but the reason there's duality is because we have a choice. God creates free will within us. Free will can be, you know, a broad aspect to talk about, um, but you have a choice. You have a choice in what you do. You have a choice in the way you respond. You have a choice in the way you react. See, every, everything that God does, there's science backs it up nowadays. There's cause and effect. So because you did this, it affects this way. There's action and consequences. Because you did this, there's consequences for this. And God, don't get me wrong, there is grace, but God won't spare you from consequences, even though he gives grace to cover it. So there's action, 
reaction, cause, effect, all of that. But if God already has a plan, because he already knew us and he already predestined it for us, does it really matter what we choose? This is the part I find myself challenged with. Does it really matter what you choose if he already has a plan that knows where you're going in the end? Okay, so I'm going to challenge your theology a little bit because this is what challenges my theology a little bit, right? God's perfect son, Jesus, is in the garden praying. Okay, let's, let's jump into it. Luke twenty-two forty-two. It says, Father, if you are willing... Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Okay. See, it's taught very wide that Jesus had to lay down his life for us, right? But did Jesus really have a choice? That's the challenging part. Did Jesus have a choice in it? Okay, what Jesus taught us just a few, you know, a few chapters before this, he taught us the Lord's Prayer, and he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if Jesus is praying, thy will be done, and then he's in a garden praying, say, God, if you can't take it from me, but nevertheless, thy will be done, it's because God's will will be done. I want you to understand that God's plan and purpose is to prosper you but at the end of the day, he has a plan for all of us, not just you individually as well. So his will will be done. So this all breaks down based according to God's will. So your calling and your purpose is all based according to God's will. Okay. Well, let's go back to what Ephesians said about it, right? Ephesians says, It says, in accordance with his pleasure and will to praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us. Hmm. He has made known to us the mysteries of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in Christ Jesus. Okay. So we have God who knew us before, sent us out to be lost from him, because that's what it is. When we came into sin, the reason you don't know God is because you're lost. That's how loss breaks down. You don't know where you're at anymore. But it was always in his plan and purpose for you to come back to him. You ever heard the saying, if you love something, let it go? And if it was meant to be, it'll come back? It was always meant to be for us to come back. It's meant for all men to come back. God goes after every single one of us. It's just sometimes, you know, some of us, we never make it back. But that was always part of God's plan. So that means that's always a part of his will. So you mean to tell me that God's will will always be done? Where's our choice at in it? Where's our choice at? Okay. And if you don't want to believe me, I mean, you can ask Jonah. You know, how did, how did you end up in, in Nineveh, Jonah? You see what I'm saying? What happens is Jonah had the choice. Same, same choice we have today. Because if God's will be done and we have a choice in it, that means the choice breaks down to 
the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> I need you to understand that God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. He's saying, I have the plans. If you do it my way, according to my will, you'll be good and prosperous. Or you can take the Jonah route. Because either way, you're going to end up according to God's plan and purpose for your life. But do you want to take the easy way or the hard way? Do you want to follow God's will? Or do you want to fight and do it your way and then follow God's will? What? (laughs) Yes. Because thy will be done. And the truth is, this is the part where it gets a a little tricky. The truth is, the ones who fall away is because, you know, God is faithful to his word. And he says, if you don't do it, the rocks will cry out to my, to my name. There's only so far you can pull away and turn away from God before you just completely fall out of his will. Because his will is good, perfect, and pleasing. And it's all to give him glory. And there's only so far you can go, okay? There, 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 there's that deep theology of once saved, always saved, and... and, and and whether you can lose your Christianity and stuff like that. Well, the truth is, it's a deep conversation that people will battle with. And I pray that someday God will reveal it to all of us individually, because that's how he works. He calls us, and according to the scripture, when we're called, we become made known to his mysteries. That's what it means to be called. He reveals his mysteries to you. So to gain further understanding in God, you have to follow your calling. The more you're following your calling, the more you understand, the more you know about his mysteries. Okay. So I do believe that there's a a limit to how far you can go before you commit the sin of making God let you go. But you can decide that theology for yourself. What I'm saying is... Why not take the easy way? Why not chase your calling? Why not chase God's will? Because whether you know what your calling is today or not, we still have a mission. It's God's co-mission. That's, that's what a co-mission breaks down to, co-mission. That means we're together in a mission. And that's to go out into the world and preach the gospel. So we all have a mission. So whether you know what your calling is or not, there's a deeper calling that comes with that. But in that, I suggest you start off with following the mission. That's to go out in the world and make disciples. That means turn more people towards God because God loves every single person in this world. And he wants all them to come to him because he predestined it. He foreknew it. It was always part of his plan. You're part of the mission in helping bring about his plan and his will. So the goal is to help God get every single person. Because, yes, he loves you individually, but he has a plan for the world. So you have the choice today of whether you're going to follow God's will or your own. That's the duality in it. That's the option you have today. Because God's will will be done with or without you or with and with you. And just how hard will the route be for you? I choose to take the easy route.
I'm sorry, you can call me lazy. But I'll be lazy for the Lord any day. I'm sorry, I will chase his mission. I will chase his goal. I will go after what God has called me to do. Because I want to see God glorified in all I do. I want to see God glorified in my life because I want to go after what God has for me. Because his plans are to prosper me. His plans are to give me a future. That's his plans for every single person in here tonight and today. Like he, he, he has a plan for your life. But will you choose to go after it? Will you choose to chase his will? And I think the reason God gave me this message specifically for you guys today is because, as I said, there's, there's a heavy anointing in this building. There's a heavy spirit in here tonight and today. And it, it's one thing to have the anointing. It's another thing to move in it. The anointing is the laying on of the spirit. It's one thing to have it laid on you. But what are you doing with it? Because our mission is to make disciples. So who are you laying it on to? I feel it in here. And I, I, I'm feeling it that, that God has an uh, uh, open door that he wants to release in this place. He doesn't want live church to stay the size it is. There's more out there for you. There's more growth available here. There's a lot of potential And I don't want you guys to be stuck as a church with a lot of potential. I want you guys to be the church that reaches its potential. The thing about God is he cannot be contained. And the more you try to contain him, the more you hinder your own growth. There's a story in the Bible where they go to the prophet because they're starving and they have nothing left. And he says, grab a few jars. And he specifically tells them, don't just grab a few. He says, don't just grab a few. So they grab as many jars as they can. And he says, start pouring the oil. And as they start pouring from her little that she had into the other jars, one after one, the jars filled up. God's showing multiplication here, just like when he fed the 5,000. He's showing that, right? And what happens is when they ran out of jars, the oil stopped. Well, oil is a biblical representation of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So if the Holy Spirit is pouring out, and he's pouring out and he's pouring out and he will keep pouring out as long as you're giving him vessels to use. Understand where I'm going here. You guys are vessels. As long as you're giving him more vessels to pour into, he'll keep pouring out, keep pouring out, keep pouring out. But if you try to stop there, the anointing could stop there. And I pray that you understand that. You ever, people give offering message all the time and they say, they say, oh, closed fist. You can't fill a closed fist. It's true. You can't put more into this if you keep it closed. You have to let it go so that you can get more. It's the same thing with the spirit. 
I say all that to say this because I, I, I hear the spirit of the Lord speaking. There's so much growth potential in this room that you have to go out there and bring them in so that they can get it too. That same spirit that's in you can be in all of them. If you really love them, which is what you should do, is love on people out there, they will get that spirit too and they will draw in. Okay? What you can't do is you can't sit there and hold on to it. Because there's only so much of God's spirit you can contain. And what happens is if you keep pouring in of the spirit, I'm feeling till I'm overflowing, you overflow too much, you start to look weird. You start to be that church with the weird Christians, man. Like, I don't know, y'all, y'all kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, how y'all doing today? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. God's great. God's great. I'm blessed. He's awesome. You get weird. You get unattractive. People don't want to be around you because you're weird. And it's not your fault. You're trying to contain God. That's the problem. <laughs> you can only do so much. You can only handle so much. He's a great, big, massive, powerful God. He's not meant to be contained to only you. It's up to you to share it. God don't want you to become this weird Christian. He wants you to be who you are because he knew you. He predestined you and knew who you were going to be. So he's not trying to change who you are. He's trying to change how you act, how you respond, how you move. And if you can catch that, you and God become this one together. You can do great things in the kingdom of God. like that. It sounds very spiritual behind me. <laughs> keep going, keep going. I just want to pray over you right now. I'm so privileged to have the honor to speak with you because like I said, it's, it's one thing to come and, and get the opportunity to speak somewhere. It's another thing to to see what God's physically doing. And if you're in here and you don't see what God's physically doing in this room, let me encourage you that he's doing great things because it's tangible what the Spirit's doing in this room. Like you can, you can come in here and spend a few minutes in here and see God moving. Not everywhere has that. There are pastors around the world who will kill this to, to, to walk into a room and see the spirit move like he does in here. There are pastors who will kill to have your worship team. <laughs> but what God's doing is incredible. And I feel the, the spirit overflowing. And I want you guys to, to just take this, take it out into the world. Share it, because I guarantee you there's more people that want what you have, and they will come in here to get it. But you have to share it out with them. You have to share it. And in a world where the new norm, this term new norm, that was one of the things I was going to, I really thought about preaching something today called the new norm. Because the truth is, there is no normal with God. 
He's always doing something new, so God's normal is new. But with this new norm of social distancing, they, there's this term that all churches are using now. Social distancing doesn't mean spiritual distancing. And it's true. But even though we have the social distance, doesn't mean you can't touch someone. Just because you have to give six feet of space doesn't mean you can't touch someone. And I want you to know that the easiest way to create contact, to create relationship with people is through touch. And it doesn't mean physical because we are not just physical beings, as I said, we are spiritual beings. And you could all touch someone. It's like, it's, it's really rough going through life being untouched. Everybody yearns for that. That, that everybody wants to be touched and not physically. I mean emotionally and spiritually. And I just hear God saying that that's the word for you guys today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word today, Lord Jesus. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would just continue to pour into them, Lord God, but also give them a fresh word, give them a renewed mindset, give them a new energy, Lord, to understand that it is your desire that all men be drawn unto you, Lord God. And I pray that they would just use this, this spiritual filling up and anointing that they have, Father God, to go out and make disciples among the world, Father God. They're, they're, they're filled with you, Lord God, but I want them to share it with everyone else, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would talk to them today, Lord God. Show them what it is that you want them to do, Lord God. Create new opportunities, Father God, divine appointments in their life, Father God, for them to invite more people, Lord Jesus. I pray right now, Lord God, that in all of this, Lord Jesus, they will continue to see you moving, to see you working, Lord God. They will see the growth that you have for them, Lord Jesus, and that it won't just be a forethought, Lord Jesus. It won't be just something that's potentially going to happen, Lord God, that it will happen, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your plan and purpose, not just over our lives, but over this church, Lord God. I thank you for the growth that's about to happen, Lord God. I thank you in advance, Lord Jesus, for all the lives that will be changed and transformed through every single person in here, Lord God. I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who generously support this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. Join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give by visiting us at livechurch.miami. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this one.